Welcome back, listeners. It's Hannah again, and I am so excited to introduce our next guest to all of you. Her name is Shannon Hunt. She's the fitness manager at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club in Benminster, New Jersey, and has become quite a good friend of all of us at Strive to Move. We worked with Shannon on several different things, from fun run and walks at Fiddler's Elbow to a program that her and Justin created called Yards and Years. But now it's Shannon's turn to come on the podcast and tell us a little bit about her story, which is super interesting. Shannon spent the first 15 years of her career in corporate America working in sports marketing before she decided to switch to a career in personal training. Even if you're not a member at Fiddler's, you can still train with Shannon and her team. To contact Shannon, her email is shunt at fiddlerselbowcc.com. You can check them out on Instagram at Bridge Health and Fitness. And you've got to check out their YouTube channel. They post tons of workout videos from yoga and HIT. Their channel is The Bridge Fitness Center at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. You guys won't want to miss this episode, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, we are recording, and Shannon, you have no idea what I'm about to ask you, like you just said. Are Absolutely you, not. Are you nervous? <laughs> totally nervous. All right, so we don't really, I lied in the pre, just to just to um, calm you down. We don't really edit this, so whatever you say is going it's to great. be live. Thanks. Um, so if you didn't have pressure before, you have pressure now. This is your first podcast? Yeah, my first right. podcast, and I hate the sound of my voice, so. All right, so just don't listen to it. Cool. Perfect. Okay, so a lot of people don't know who you are and I want them to but let me start with a very specific question for you I am always fascinated by people that start in a different career and move them along so now you are the fitness director at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club which is how you and I met but you had a whole life before that tell us about that and then let's kind of get into that for that for you and the short and sweet of it is is that I um I worked in sports marketing, essentially, for most of my career. Um, And that took me from marketing agencies to golf magazines to um, a digital marketing firm, all working in the sports world um, and traveling throughout the world. So, um, yeah, I worked for Golf Digest. I worked for three NFL teams, two Division I colleges, and then a digital marketing firm that worked um, with – the college space to help uh, stream live video content, live and, and on-demand video content. Right. Um, it was super cool. It was a great career, but, you know, after working 15-plus years in corporate America, I definitely was ready for a, a change. change. So I actually personally am curious <laughs> because I've never worked in corporate America, and there's certain things I'd be like, oh, that's interesting, but then you hear the good and the bad. What was it about it that you're finally like, yeah, kind of, kind of got to get a change here? Um, I mean, I worked in sports. It's a male-driven industry, right? And so, what they say is really true about a glass ceiling. Um, I just felt that no matter how many jobs that I jumped, um, it was definitely hard to elevate um, to an, to a level that. I really wanted to get to or I would have loved to have gotten to that maybe some of my peers were getting to. Um, Also, I traveled so much. The expectations of the amount of work that you're to be doing, no doubt. Like I worked hard, but I was literally working crazy hours. I had a dog. I was never seeing him. Half of my apartment building was taking care of him. I was traveling, leaving at all, oh, dark 30 in the morning. Um, There was just a lot of, it was a lot of pressure as a woman to succeed um, in a male-driven world. Um, And the rat race of it. I worked in New York City. I worked in Long Island. So living in Jersey, going to those places, it was a hustle. Yeah. It was it was hard. Yeah. And you know, there's always that you know the corporate policies. Uh, you know, everything is so formal. Right. Um, you know, wearing suits to meetings and having to get things dry cleaned and always getting new shoes because you're constantly wearing them out. 
it was it was a hustle. Yeah, and I want to stay on this a little while because you know, as much as this is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, I hope. You know, we, I talk, you mentor a lot of like, you see a lot of athletes and some kids and they're looking for their place in the world. And I'll see a lot of kids and athletes and kids that are in college. And I always think it's interesting that, you know, when you're 17, 18, you have no idea. And it's not that you should discourage someone, a female or male from going into that world. It's just that you should go into every career with, you know, eyes wide open. So you have that experience and, you know, it doesn't sound like you're speaking bad about it, but it was just, it was enough for you to kind of get out. Um, did you know any of that going in or just like, hey, I want to be in sports and I got out of college, let me just go? I had no idea. I think the problem with me was that I didn't have a goal. Um, but I also didn't know much about the industry, um, real world stuff about the industry, like not stuff that you just read in books. But there was, even though I went to a great college, I went to Ithaca College and there, were, all, <laughs> there were a lot of people at Ithaca that worked in the sports world. I think at the time, I just didn't know how to network. I didn't know how to really reach out to those people. There was no LinkedIn then. There was no like internet. It wasn't like today where I could like reach out to hundreds of thousands of Ithaca alums in the New York area. Um, so I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I didn't, and I just found my way with like, you know, whether it was jumping jobs or getting poached by somebody who happened to be an alums, like, Hey, come work for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, had I had a goal or a more of a designated path and said, I want to be a vice president of a team or something really specific Mm -hmm. that might have then kept me on goal or on track. And I think that's, my biggest bit of advice for any young person going into sports is make sure that you have a goal, set it, visualize it, and hit it, attain it. You can, you can yeah. get there, but you have to work really hard. So, um, and network, 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 network. It's like the, the biggest thing. To thing. Do, but the most important thing, right? Because you're gonna find people yeah. out there that are so willing to help you. Right, hundred percent. And. So your whole life, were you active or was this fitness thing kind of a new thing you found when you got older? I was always active. I think even before I got to college and I was in high school, um, I played sports. Um, I played field hockey in high school. I swam in high school, um, summer swimming, but I never was like one of those winter club teams. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got to college and I worked in sports. I didn't actually play. Um... So my career was always very around the physical sciences. Um, So at Ithaca, when I got there in 92, we didn't really have a a gym. They have the A&E Center now, which is a ginormous like field house with. Okay, so there was none of that. Um, But what we did have, like I tried to utilize, I'd sneak into the football weight room, knowing some of the coaches Mm -hmm. and use their equipment. Um, Grad school, the same thing. My friends were um, ex you know, ex physiology, exercise science majors. They were weight trainers. So I was always in the gym. Mm -hmm. I always had it in the back of my mind that it was something I would have loved to have done. I thought it was really glamorous and sexy. And oh my gosh, you get to work out all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was always something there. And I think at the point where I was like, all right, enough of corporate America. Yeah. I getting back to that, like this is like the healthy podcast. I was tired of feeling unhealthy and sick and stiff and tired and depressed. And I'm like, I need to make a change with my life because. So for you physically and job, it was kind of happened at the same time. There was, there was sort of, yeah. I mean, when I moved from Jersey city out to Huntington County, when I got married, um, I was still sort of working in, I was sort of working in corporate America. I was working at the running store in summit. Mm -hmm. Um, so still running and, that's really what kind of I think also sparked some of this was that um, I had spent probably the better part of a year working between all the different like New Jersey, Hoboken, um, Westfield, Ridgewood, um, Summit, uh, all of the running stores. So we were doing lots of runs. Everybody was very athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that. So um, when I got I moved to Frenchtown, um, I got a job in sales. It was a job. Yeah. And that's what actually made me want to like leave corporate America for for good because that's what the catalyst to getting my certification and being able to say, okay, I'm not going to sit at a desk anymore. 
although I still do. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to drive a desk every day. I'm not going to get in my car and drive around, you know, different counties and sell whatever it was that I was selling. So sure. um, I really wanted to wake up every morning and feel like I could go into a gym and mm-hmm. make change in people's lives and we'll, mine too. And wear yoga pants. Yeah, and wear yoga pants. Uh, tell me, like, the as you started to transition out of it, was it get a certification and look for a job? Like, what was the plan? Sure. Um, and, and the reason why I asked that is because, like, again, like you said before, a lot of people in the training world, it, you know, it's very glamorous and all this type of stuff. The problem that I think is changing and that I'm a big advocate for is that being in fitness, I think it is such a valuable thing that our society needs, but it's really hard to make a career out of it. It is, for sure. And so, again, probably something that maybe you knew or didn't know and you've actually landed in a really good spot um, considering. But what was that transition for you from that corporate America to this, like, oh, I didn't, this might not be a, a job market here for me? So knowing I was already married and I couldn't just, like, you know, be out on my own and, you know, figure it out alone I was a part of two it was one of two so I had to bring something to the table so I knew I wasn't going to quit my job and just go cold turkey getting the certification so while I was working I um, enrolled in NASM's Mm certification and personal training course which is one of you know there's like two there's the the nsca cscs and the nasm which in those circles are kind of the two main training certifications for people yeah um it was pretty well regarded in the industry so that's why i went with one that was more difficult say than like ace that was a little bit more i don't want to say generic they still have a great certification program but this was a little bit more difficult so it was 10 weeks online it was it was very much like self-study you had an obligation to hand in coursework and such so um I took the 10 weeks I passed my practice exams I took another few weeks to study and I still was working this whole time so this was like going for a college course I mean I rarely saw my husband I was like in the supermarket with flashcards in my purse you know I felt like I was back in school again um and um I've finally took the test I passed it I have no idea how I just did it was great um and then I did an internship with um a corrective exercise specialist up in Doylestown who was amazing um and he had his own studio and I learned I just observed and I watched what he did and I thought this is incredible what he did with his clients yeah so 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 a corrective exercise specialist he was a a personal trainer Mm -hmm. a strength coach and just for the audience you know a corrective exercise specialist a lot of uh, i think it's changing but a lot of people back in the day would be like oh i'm going to the trainer and he's just going to beat the crap out of me i'm going to get tired and uh, i'm going to squat and deadlift and do all this crazy stuff that may may maybe it's good for me and maybe it's not though a corrective exercise specialist is someone that might have actually the same background but has taken it to a place that they're not physical therapists and they normally don't claim to be but they watch how people move and through exercise through movements they see what doesn't look good and they prescribe an exercise that will hopefully help them and you know in my opinion like we always say it's not the profession it's the person whether you're a chiropractor physical therapist acupuncturist strength and conditioning professional there are strength and conditioning professionals that i would trust more with a client or athlete of mine than I would many physical therapists and PTs. So it sounds like that's someone that you sort of ran into out in Doylestown that was doing that type of work. Yeah. In fact, so NASM set me up with him. Um, he happened to be offering, you know, so they, they would pay him and I got, I didn't get paid, but I just got this great experience. Sure. So, um, after, you know, when that was sort of ending, I was waiting tables, I was working, um, you know, just to try to make a little bit of money, but looking at the same time, I started um, helping uh, this woman in Frenchtown sort of teach her boot camp. I'd do it on Saturdays, um, kind of really for nothing, but again, just for the experience. And um, I found this job through, I think it might have either been Indeed. I think it was Indeed. They might have posted um, the job at Fiddler's. Um, And at the time, it was through another like outside company. Mm -hmm. But... um, I figured it out that it was at Fiddler's just by, you know, boutique, sure. um, you know, gym at country club. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, 
I said, I'm going to get this job. And I wanted it. And when I met the person who would essentially be my, you know, he's my predecessor. So um, he was phenomenal. Alex Pearson, he's now in Minnesota, opened his own Brazilian jiu-jitsu facility, but he's he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. So I really learned a lot from him. He was a great trainer already. Young guy, but like probably already in the industry about 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he helped really sort of carve who I became as a trainer, um, yeah. really mindful. And so you start at Fiddlers and how long at this point have you been there? I think January will be four years. Wow. So four years. And <laughs> from that point in my observation of knowing you for about a year and a half, like you are very advanced and where you've gone in four years, right? Um, you've gone through the Titleist certifications, you know, through level two, and I know you've studied some other things as well. And the thing that I've always observed about you is that like that want and that willingness to learn, you know, like you, you could do your job without learning probably anything else at this point. You could get by, smile at people and be nice and make them sweat. You know, there's a lot of people that do that. And my trainer's great, but I've observed for you in you that, you know, you're always looking to learn more, always looking to to do that where does that come from I don't know um I mean I, I think some of it might have been for my mom she was a single mom that raised me by herself and she always had this like you know nobody's gonna ride drive your bus for you so you need to make sure that you're you're doing it um but I remember you saying like she was a uh, in corporate America like yeah. high pie hot like high very good at her job she which was, is a, yeah. you know which is a you know a good model to follow especially as a female yeah you know, looking at another female who's very doing strong it. female um you know like just sort of that upbringing of, of strength and like again because she was single she raised me by herself she was like again like you need to be independent i owned a home I, you know just be just I guess prior to being 30 and I had to fix things on my own. So I Googled it or I figured out how to do it. Um, I didn't just call a plumber. Sure. (laughs) Um, I just call a plumber. (laughs) Um, uh, I have a friend who's like that. He'll call our other friend who's a contractor. Um, So I just think, especially in the role that I'm in, I want to, I really want to make a name for myself at Fiddlers. I want to, I want the members, I want the management to know that we have a gym and that we have a wellness center and that we have like golf is not just about golf. It's really about like taking care of your body and making sure that you can continue to play longer and play. I don't know if you saw the post that I put on. So I put on the Bridges Instagram page yesterday, it was a quote actually from Ryan Blackburn from, um, I think it was Orlando Performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was basically about like, you know, what are you doing to take care of your body um, as far as golf? And it was basically why we have yards and years at sure. Fiddlers because in order to be able to play longer and play better, you've got to take care of your body. What are you doing? Yeah. And you think that most and not just at fiddlers because I think it's it's really everybody but and you know at the country club golfer again most of these guys are corporate America they sit they don't really do much and you know 90% of them nine out of, nine out of ten that do play golf like have really probably never I would say more than that have never trained properly for golf I'd say there's probably two or three out of ten like we know that are active and exercise and maybe go for walks and might even lift weights or do yoga and Pilates and all that is good. But I think, and even in my education of golf, you, we all fail to realize how hard of a sport it actually is. And, you know, we look at like the typical, like retired guy that plays, it's like, man, like, how is he even able to do this? And, and truthfully, how is he not more injured? I mean, a lot of times they are hurt. Um, they're not playing well and they just think it's normal that everything you know, and their body really hurts. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're trying to almost like shake these people and say, listen, like you can't just go out and play three days a week and then have a cocktail. You can do that, but like, why don't we do a little bit before or on the side so that you can, like, we're just trying or you're just trying to allow these people to enjoy the life that they have and right. they built for themselves. It's amazing to see what a little bit of mobility, flexibility, stability actually does for the human body. Yeah. And what it does for 
these guys with their game right it was it's just amazing to see the guys that I'm working with now and the what we're doing and how much better their bodies feel they actually seem like they're physically a little bit younger than they may actually sure. than the number may actually be because yeah. they just move so much better yeah and I want to talk more about yards and years and we'll get into that and I'm asking because I don't even remember. I remember when you, when we met, me, you, and Hannah, but how did the yards and years thing even come about? Like, where did that even come from? Do you remember? Uh, I knew that I wanted to do something. And I don't know if you and I had talked about some kind of, what can we do together? I knew that I wanted to get you some more visibility at the club. I wanted to introduce you to the members. And I thought, how can I get Justin sort of out there? So I think we came up with sort of that, um, it was just like a little like seminar, like a quick little, yes. like it was like a half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. And it was kind of an introduction of like you, but also about, Hey, if you want to like, and that was the foray into our program. Right. So, yeah. and so just to kind of give the audience an idea, you can go on YouTube and find them. But I pulled clips of Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, and Gary player and, Gary Player was like kind of the odd man out and in a good way in the sense of there was YouTube videos showing these guys swinging the golf club from the time they were in their teens or 20s through like now and you know you know Arnold's past but you know you get the point and you watch how over the years their swing who these guys are three of the all-time greatest golfers Arnold and Jack who eh, didn't really take care of themselves so well their swing really kind of went away as they got older to the point where you know I remember one of the the last kind of videos they have of Arnold Palmer swinging is um he literally follows through and his hands can't even get above his waist because he can't like finish his swing anymore and rotate and, and move through that and um, I basically was telling them, listen, like you guys are all 50, 60, 70. This isn't going to get better. And if you guys love this game and love the club and love your friends as much as you do, uh, we probably should bring some awareness into around. It's not just going to magically stay, right? It, it will get worse if you do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that yards and we call it a yard, the yards and years program, which there's a group of basically retired men that have a group called the weekday warriors who play multiple times a week. And they, you know, they have this great group going. And what we started was a group fitness class for about, I think eight to 10 of those guys, like 12, a, 12 of them. a dozen yeah. guys um, that again, most of these guys had never done anything before. Some of them had exercised. None of them had done anything specifically for golf. And just to kind of tell you, you know, we didn't know going into it exactly what would happen. We were worried about it. And there was talk of, all right, we're going to measure their swing speeds. And what if their swing speed doesn't improve? Is, it, is the program a waste? And all these, all these different things that we were scared about and nervous. But then I remember telling you, we got into it. And I said, listen, these guys are, have done nothing. Right. And so if we do, if our, if we do nothing, but don't make them worse and got these guys to move twice a week, like I know it's going to be a positive. Now, mm -hmm. again, just for to, to tell how, how good it actually was. I remember specifically Roger first round of the year. And, and again, we started to think about when we do a program like this, what is the goal? And we didn't really know. We knew they needed it, but we didn't know what was going to happen. Were they going to get better at golf? Were they going to hit the ball further? Were they going to be less injured? All those things were a possibility. Were they going to swing the club faster? Who knows? Um, but I remember Roger specifically, it was his first round of the year. It was in April, I think, because of covid he didn't get out as early as he mm -hmm. could his first round he broke 90 wow and i remember saying to i remember the email and you got the email yes. too he shot an 89 and we asked him we said you know what do you normally shoot like is that normal for you and he said yeah i usually can shoot that it just takes me two or three months to get there gotcha. right so he plays in may march or april starts the season and then maybe by june or july he hits his stride and he starts shooting those scores but, but where the Yards and Years program came in was it, it kept his mobility, it kept it got him stronger, helped his flexibility so that by the time he was able to start playing, he sort of picked up at his peak. Mm -hmm. And that was and that was like a moment for me where I was like, all right, like, was he swinging the club faster? I'm not sure. He said he was hitting his three wood further than he normally would at that time of the year. So is he net net hitting it further? Maybe not. But did he play better golf for the whole season rather than just for a four-week period in the end of the summer? Yes. 
And so I think that that's been a, a major part. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on getting the yards in your program. What was your goal? And, you know, why do you think it's been so valuable to the members? Honestly, it was I had never done anything in, in the off season with our men's golfers, um, with our golfers in general, our female golfers or men's golfers. And I thought the easiest sort of low hanging fruit was let me reach out to this guy, Greg McGuire, who everybody told me was sort of like the, the leader of the weekday warriors. He always organized the groups. He always, um, he collects the money. He sets up the foursomes. Um, so he's sort of like the unofficial head guy, sure. right? So I, I saw him drive by the bridge one day. I, grabbed him and I said, hey, Greg, I'm Shannon. Um, what would you think, you know, sort of what w- would you be interested? And he said, um, yeah, you know, he's like, I, I think this might be something I'd really like to do. Um, I bet you that I could get a number of guys to get in here with me. Um, I will put it out to, there's about 60 people on his list. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the next thing I know, I'm putting together a flyer. I'm running it by him, and I'm just use trying those to marketing skills. Well, that was it. That was part of it. it. Was like I was just trying to think of added value. So, you know, we came up with some ideas of like, you know, we had golf um, fitness classes. We had you guys coming in. We had yoga. We had sort of like a nutrition class. Um, I wanted Sports to do some psychology. Yeah, Dr. well, Nick. right. Doctor Nick came Stay in. Stay healthy, New Jersey alumni. That's right. Um, and um, we also, you know, for the guys that sort of like bought in, I was like, let's do sort of like a, a simulator night up yeah. in the, the swing bays, up in the PGA building. We'll have some like beers and snacks. Yeah. And I just thought, hey, look, these guys are committing to do this. Here's some added value, right? Sure. Here's some like, here's like a little kickback. <clears throat> so, um Part of me was like, I don't even know. I just came up with a schedule. You were absolutely integral because you made so much of your time free to be able to come in twice a month. And, or was it every two weeks? Every week, yeah, yeah, every other week you came in. Um, and, you know, we we exposed them to so many new things for yeah. their breathing, whether pelvic tilting, whether down dogs and yoga. I mean, there was just so many things that they had never experienced yes. before. Um, and it was... Um, it was just such an eye opener. They 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 kept coming. Yeah. I just couldn't believe every day we had at least eight guys to twelve guys show up. And I will say, even when COVID happened and we couldn't, we actually the program was supposed to be over right around when COVID started. All of the guys came on Zoom, and the only time they stopped is when they could go play golf once yeah. the course was open. Yeah. So we knew it was it was valuable. To yeah. Them. So um, you know, in fact, I saw Brad today, and um, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm thinking that we're gonna do yards and years again, um, and I'm hoping that we can incorporate some sort of maybe virtual, but maybe in person. I'm trying to figure out how to do that, whether it's small groups and we have to break it down into four people. But I I really. Believe believe that these guys were so enthusiastic and we you know you did I did we both developed such relationships with them I've never seen commitment like this from any really very few I should say individuals I mean Mm -hmm. there are very few people that are so committed that they just couldn't they looked forward to getting up and coming to this twice a week right yeah I, I well you know I think a group like that as I observed they're all First of all, they're all like unbelievably nice guys to talk so to. Nice. Really good group that you enjoy going to work with. And as I look at it and I observe them, is like they've all been I like they've been successful in their lives. And usually it means that when they're committed to something, they're going to do it. So all you we have to do is show them that it's worth it, and then they're going to show up. Yeah. Like because that's the easy part is is getting them to show up once they see value in it. And so that was really the exactly. game. Like they're not flaky guys. They wouldn't be successful in their lives if they were flaky guys. No. And when not... they couldn't make it, some of them would email me and call me and say, "Hey, I'm not going to make it today. I'm sorry." Yeah. Some of them initially were traveling early on for work. Work, yeah. uh, before covid so they you know one or two of them still consulted or they sure. had jobs that took them you know outside of the area so um you know but they they felt bad about not being there or they were traveling to see their family and their sure. grandchildren um but yeah you're right once covid hit um we, you and i kept going we kept going with the content and we tried to continue to develop it um whether just sort of taking it to the next level right so whether it was um more hip hinging single leg uh 
T-spine movements. And then we added in a little bit of cardio, which yeah. I think really kind of threw them for a little bit of a loop too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. For sure. Yeah, and, and I think at the end of the day, in order to be a good golfer or a good tennis player or a good swimmer, the best thing is to try and be a good athlete first, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could have these guys be super flexible and mobile, but if they have no cardiovascular, which we sort of add at the end, which you did, that part of it, um, that that's valuable to them, right? And even if they're taking a golf cart, right, still to be able to play 18 sure. holes, it takes takes something out of you, especially day, day in, day out. And so getting that, you know, cardiovascular fitness is, is super valuable. Um, what has been your experience and did you know that golf was always something you wanted to focus on or just was that happened that you got a job at the country club and that's where your time has been spent now? Sure. So when I was in grad school, I learned how to play golf in Bowling Green, Ohio, which was super flat and we had like one hill. But my <laughs> mentor, um, he taught me how to play golf and um, uh, I really just kind of loved it from there um I played a lot with my dad I would come back from wherever state I was living in working with whatever team I was with or um and you know Father's Day uh, his birthday we would always go hit balls or go play somewhere um then I started working for Golf Digest I worked for Travel and Leisure Golf so it was always free swag I still liked to play but didn't get out as much um, I mean, when you live in the city, you don't often get to, you know, many golf courses. Yes. It's hard to lug your clubs around yes. on the subway. So um, I uh, I played when I could. Um, when I did work for Octagon, um, the program I worked on, so I worked for Octagon back in like 2003 to 2005. Um, I worked with BMW, was our, uh, we were their agency of records. So the program we worked on was their owner loyalty golf program so I for two years scheduled hosted executed golf tournaments for amateurs throughout the country in different BMW like markets Mm -hmm. um Boston LA even it was like crazy towns like throughout the entire country outside of like Sacramento Portland um like you name it it was wild and it was amazing of course we were tried to go to like the best courses right so whether it was like Westchester Country Club or Doral or Mm -hmm. um you know you name it we went to Medina in Chicago so some pretty great places so that those two years I played a lot of golf right um and then traveled mostly in the rest of my career and didn't play as much when I, uh, my aunt lives in South Carolina on a golf course. So when we would go down there and play, you know, I would be horrible. You know, you play once a year. You're not that great. Right. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so. Even if you play multiple times a year, you're not that great. <laughs> well, no, I, we, you know, because we went out to play a few weeks ago and I really stunk it up. So. Well, you okay. drove the ball really well. Really <laughs> well, actually. I could do. I drove the cart really well. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> you drove the ball better than you drove the cart, I would say. Um, so um, when I found out that this job was at a country club, I thought, this is amazing because I love that environment um well before i really knew the in-depths of like the country club sure i i do love the environment i love that there's something going on all the time um i love the outings um and i love being part of this incredible staff and team that really make this entire ship run yeah right um what's not amazing to be able to if you're done with your job for the day go out and hit some balls right that's so cool or go play with your friend or your dad right so i've had my dad out to play um so for me i feel like it is a great fit um and then in terms of the personal training being at this facility it's a no-brainer to want to learn how to train athletes and learn how to train golfers specifically i mean i think when we all become personal trainers everybody wants to train athletes right nobody wants sort of that you know older clientele that's a little bit more stiff and you just have to do functional movement with but i've actually learned to love that as much as i've learned to love working with golfers and get my tpi certifications and work with my golf fitness mastermind group now Mm -hmm. um it's amazing to learn from these guys some of the stuff they do is mind-blowing and 
a lot of it revolves around flexibility and mobility. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's the most simple stuff, but yet people don't really think about it at that level, at, at, at the country club level, right? Yeah. They think about it and they understand it more at the elite level, but it also works for our golfers at that country club level. Well, if you, if you think about it, and it's almost like the worst kept secret in golf is it isn't none of us are going to be professional golfers but i always think it's an, you have to look at what the elite what the elite do or have or possess and look at that and say okay what part of that do i need to work on or practice right and so that's where the debate and i've talked about this with kirk about the weightlifting versus mobility and flexibility and most of these, like if you look at a PGA Tour, a guy on tour right now, you'll look at him and be like, ah, he's not in great shape, but he doesn't look great, right? I guarantee if you, and the, the, the example of this is actually John Daly, who I've, I haven't worked with, obviously, but I've heard people that have. They're like, yeah, you look at John Daly, he doesn't look like much. But if you actually watched him move and put him through movement, functional movements, got him on like a table like this and moved his joints around, elite right? There's a reason for it. Justin Rose, who obviously, but these guys, they're not going to deadlift you out of a room all the time. Some of them might, but they move unbelievably well Mm -hmm. to be able to play at that level, right? And so then we take the exact opposite of that, which is the 65-year-old dude that worked as a lawyer for the last 40 years that sat at a desk that never stretches hip flexor, that doesn't know what T-spine rotation is, can't access his core, and who wants to now play as retired three days a week. And it's like, this is not going to go well. And so as I look at it, I say, all right, what are the best guys have? Where do we need to focus our club golfers? Probably they need that even more. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with our guys, especially the yards and years guys, getting them even the little bit of flexibility, mobility, core strength works wonders for them because, you know, they have none of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. I actually, and a lot of my friends have experienced the same thing. You, We all, me too, got into our professions because we wanted to work with athletes. And yeah, it's cool. And we have some, you know, professional athletes that do come in here. But there's probably more enjoyment out of like the text we shared this weekend of when one of our mutual clients won the, the, the flight, the mm-hmm. golf flight. I think it was the net. The net yeah. flight tournament at his, at his club. Like that's mm-hmm. awesome, right? You know, because they're, you know. Those guys don't need to do it. They do it because it's something that they enjoy. Whereas, you know, the professionals, they kind of need to. It's like their job, right? And so there is a different level of enjoyment, I believe, of, you know, maybe, you know, this guy Roger, can we get him another three, four years out of being able to play that if not, where, you know, you start talking about it's like, all right, three more years of being able to enjoy himself that, eh, like, you know, Tiger Woods, great, but, like, he doesn't need to play anymore. He does it because he wants to, but mm-hmm. – um, like a guy like, you know, our, this Roger guy who we're talking about, if he can play another three, four years of good golf, like what value does it add to his life? It's amazing, right? I think so. Because I feel like that's really their, it's just really their recreational enjoyment. Yeah. Some of their wives want them to get out of the house. Exactly. And some of them, they just want to be out there playing. They don't care how cold it is. They played through the winter time. Exactly. Um, the other Roger came into me today and said, are we going to be outside? And I was like, well, we might be. And he's like, well, it's so cold today. I'm like, Roger, you've played in like eight degree (laughs) weather. Like put your hat and your booties on. Come on. Yeah. So Um, we haven't talked about the female golfers much. Um, I guess you, you know, do golf and you are a female and work with some female golfers. Mm -hmm. What is some advice you'd have for them that might be different than, than the, the male golfer or the same? So it's, it's an area at the club specifically that I'm really trying to tap into. And it's been more difficult because I feel like the women struggle with like, well, I want a fitness workout, but I also don't want it to affect my golf game, which we've started to debunk with the men um, that that's not really the case. So wouldn't you say that you're saying make their golf game worse? They think that if they um, are focusing on fitness, they a won't be able to play golf, and two, it'll make their game, it'll impede in their game, right? So yeah. it'll change their swing, or you know, they somehow it will change what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's I don't know I, I I haven't I really want to tap into that. Um, that area of, you know, I, I would love to get the women golfers on board and have 
like two groups in the wintertime on the off season of like men's and ladies and really just kind of see I would bet you that the women are going to be stronger that they're going to they they would be committed if they just started that they would absolutely rock a program and I tend to find that some of my ladies that I work with my wives are stronger than their husbands mm-hmm. um and they are committed they're very um ritualistic people but i think that sometimes their golf comes first i know a lot of times their families do travel in the winter time too so i don't see them because they are down in florida or they mm-hmm. are out you know out of new jersey so which we kind of worked around with our guys this winter i mean some of the guys traveled so big deal um so i think it's just a matter of maybe baby steps with them and maybe trying a shorter version of the program to see if we can just scratch the surface Mm -hmm. um i never thought i was going to get a yards and years program together and it just sort of developed and like it built itself somehow so that was kind of like our first like almost like test case and it was so successful that i think if the ladies just tried something um that they would love it i do train let's see i train about three young junior golfers females and actually my junior male is coming in this week um he's coming back from uh basically started school so he's back playing golf um at school so he's going to be coming in to see me um one of mike adams clients he uh sent him to me so um i'm i really love what i'm doing with the juniors they're just incredible physically because they're strong they're hyper mobile so there's so much i can do with them because they right now none of them have injuries i mean knock on wood they're all very healthy athletes um so it's just a matter of continuing to make them stronger and as i see them grow um i've been there almost four years now so i started with some of them who were 13 and now they're 17 and it's like whoa like mind-blowing how strong they are Mm -hmm. so um super cool to see them grow and develop and one in particular she's already had two holes in one wow um one already just told me that she got committed or she has committed to lehigh next year to play golf so we're just waiting to hear about the other one i'm not sure if she's so the one i think committed early to Mm -hmm. lehigh so the the other one um mom and i were talking about some options and i'm not sure where she's gonna go i think golf might be a secondary for her Mm -hmm. but even if it's a division three school i think she still would like to try to play for sure um and then the young one i have my little male guy he's he's pretty young i think he's only like freshman mm-hmm. so he's got a little ways to go but right. he's if he's working with mike adams he's on track for on some track. oh yeah. yeah all right so i'm going to change gears i should have a fancy name for this portion of the podcast but i don't okay maybe one day uh random questions basically <laughs> what's one healthy thing you've done for yourself in the past let's say six months since COVID started oh wow well um I because I was at home during the um the quarantine I actually had to teach these classes online Mm -hmm. so you know as I mentioned earlier we all think it's like being a trainer super sexy that you get to work out all the time and that's totally a myth um prior to COVID I was struggling to get my workouts in sure that's my own problem because I was putting my clients before me but I actually had to teach these classes and I was taking other classes to actually get more experience and also to get a workout in because we were all home so I was trying to you know get more get more experience um so actually doing the workouts that I'm teaching people that was hard it was really hard but it was fantastic and I think it was the one thing that like really helped not only change my body but actually helped me like relax a little bit mentally I just started to like I don't know I came into my own I think Mm -hmm. it was something that really like helped me physically to become stronger um and just I don't know. It was amazing. So Good. that's one thing that yeah. like I just started doing more different workouts, right? So everything from basic functional movement, like push-ups and basically crunches and squats to high impact stuff. Um, running, continued to run with my husband. And then also just some other like, you know, simple weight training, um, you know, just like half an hour, 30 minute like weight training classes mm-hmm. that I was doing. So lots of different programming um but made the time to do it for me right right which like you said the um 
it's like us in this business, we usually the last ones to get treated in your business, your last one to work out. Golf pros I talk to, they're the last ones to go out and play because they're giving lessons all the time. Right. So it's just, it's, it's one of those weird things about mm-hmm. um, all of our professions. Okay, next question. Totally unhealthy related. What's your favorite dessert? Oh my God, it's got to be something chocolate, like probably like a lava cake with like ooey gooey inside or something with like caramel, like a dolce de leche, like... Where's the best one you ever had? Do you know that? So absolutely. It was my wedding cake. Good for you. And it was from this woman, Emma Taylor, who lives in Jersey City. Her store is called Milk Sugar Love. I highly recommend. She's definitely been rated on like New Jersey's top ice cream stores, um, certainly on the top of the list in Jersey City. Um, she has a location in the Heights and in Hamilton Park. Wow, listen, um, Emma, you just Oh, I'm just going to blow her up because she made our wedding cake from scratch. It was devil's food cake with a dolce de leche filling. It was like, it was two tiers. It was very simple. It was the most beautiful cake and the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. Wow, that's great. Because usually wedding cakes are like mad. Gross, right? No. Yeah. Oh, no. She was incredible. Good for you. What's the best, what's your best dish you cook? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Boiling water? <laughs> yeah. Feel no, I, I cook pretty right. well. My husband is definitely a fan. Um, I mean, I I cook, I've cooked um, standing rib roast. I've cooked. What's a standing rib roast? First, so like a lying down rib roast? No, well, so it's oh, like a prime yeah. rib, right? But yeah, it's yeah. like a rib roast that's like, you. I think the, the ribs are up. Like they're it's it. still attached, Got right? It. So it's like prime rib with the ribs attached. And the thing is in like a. It's in like a like a roasting tray, yep. like with one of those like you know yes. things, and um, <laughs> and it's kind of this beautiful regal piece of meat that like we we put like rosemary and pepper and all sorts of like herbs and stuff on it, and man, this thing comes out like it's gorgeous. It's legit. So I've done some pretty good pieces of meat for holidays. I mean, I can do a hell of a turkey breast. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, roasted turkey breast. Um, I do bacon really well. <laughs> You put it in a sheet pan on some tin foil. It's amazing. But I, you know. Okay. So, all right. I'll take the standing rib roast as your answer. Final answer. I guess. I don't know. I I, I do like just a great, like, actually, I make a great apple pie. Really? Yeah. Grandma's. Baking is hard. Grandma's recipe apple pie. Ice cream on it or no? Um, I'm just like a purist. I would eat it cold, actually. It's so good, like, a day or two after. Yeah. Awesome. All right, and you make that what for? Oh yeah, like the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, whatever. Well, I guess whenever we um, have apples, we, you have an uncanny. Ashton has an uncanny ability to have people bring him food, so I'm sure he'll be expecting an apple pie from you. Oh my god, I'll from. bring you guys an apple pie. All right. Sure. All right, wait, hold on. We're, we're still recording. Uh oh. Hey Ashton, come here. <laughs> this is so. This is we're gonna keep this in here. I just want to hold Shannon. I told I told Shannon that you have an uncanny ability to get people to bring you food, yeah, and man. Shannon is claiming that her apple pie is. So I told her we we're expecting. But I get to bring you some. Great. All, All right, no problem. That's right. fine. You like apple pie? I love apple pie. All right, good. All right. Done. Good. See, see what I do here. Hi. Yeah. Right. So then Justin gets the leftovers. Yeah, but I usually don't eat it anyway. Yeah, so he yeah. Just feeds it to me. Yeah, oh I just give him all the food. Yeah. All right, well, apple pie it is then. Apple pie it is. Good. Perfect. Thank you. All right. All right. Um, Last question. I'm trying to think how I asked this last time. Oh, boy. What is – well, I don't know how you're going to answer this one. Let's see. What is – first of all, tell us the names of your dogs. I know you're going to want to talk about Maggie and Henry. So I kind of, so I always think people that give their dogs like human names, like random human names is pretty hilarious. And you kind of did, mm-hmm. right? Just normal human names. Yeah. What is the best dog human name? Is What's it Maggie the best and Henry? Dog. Like, could you imagine Jimmy. if you had a dog named like Jim? Sure. Like hilarious. I, just I, think that's I love those names in general, like for kids. I love the name Maggie. I don't have any children, so this is like perfect. I mean, I wasn't going to name my dog like Elizabeth. Like Jim. Right. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> yeah, imagine have a dog named Sarah. Sarah. It's so normal, it's weird. There's a 70s song called Shannon. It's about a dog. Well, are you going to name your next dog Sarah? No. Why? I don't know that we're going to get another right, dog. Get It'll another be a dog. long time. Sure. No, I think it would... It, like I like names with like the I or I E or Y at the end. Yeah, because but that's too dog. You need to get a dog like a hu- uh, human name for a dog. Yeah, 
I don't know. Like, you uh, name your dog, like, Lauren? Sure, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, no, right? Or um, I could name my dog Ashton. No, see, that's, like, a little bit unique, so it's it's too doggy. It would have to be more, like, basic, like Joe. <laughs> name your dog Joe. Yeah, yeah, no. maybe Sarah. Sarah's pretty good. Sarah. Hey, yeah. Sarah. Ken. <laughs> Ken. Ken. <laughs> would you call it Kenny, though? No, Ken. Ken it's K? Only Ken. Do not Ken. call the dog Ken. <laughs> so we don't call our dogs almost by their real names. We call them all sorts of crazy nicknames. Of course you do. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. makes it easier. Of course. Um, okay, this was fantastic. Tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. So I, again, I'm the fitness manager at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Um, even if you're not a member, you can still train with us. Is that um, true? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You can still train with me. Um, I can't really like go out on the street and hand out flyers or put ads out there. But if somebody came to me and said, hey, would you train me? I can do that. Cool. Yeah. Um, and we have an Instagram page, uh, Bridge Health and Fitness, I believe. Um, and then there's also a YouTube channel, uh, the Bridge Fitness Center at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. So we have a bunch of videos that we've done from yoga to uh, our yard and years, uh, my cardio fitness class. So we're kind of all over. And um, yeah, uh, shunt at fiddlerselbowcc.com is my email. Perfect. Shannon, you did good for your first time. Thank you. No edits. I love it. Yay. All right. Thank you. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the Talk to the Doctor First button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.